Hey guys, it's Tana, and I'm totally stoked that you're joining me for another episode of Oddity Potity. Do people say stoked anymore? If not, I'm bringing it back. But what I can't bring back is a piece of history that was recently destroyed by a domestic terrorist. On July 6th of 2022, someone bombed the Georgia Guidestones, and they were damaged so badly that the iconic landmark had to be demolished. What were the Georgia Guidestones, and what would make someone want to wipe them off the face of the earth? I can answer the first question. The Georgia Guidestones was a massive granite monument that stood in Elbert County, Georgia, that was built in 1980. Carved into the stone in eight different languages were a set of instructions on how to rebuild humanity after an apocalypse. What's more interesting is who wrote these instructions and why the Guidestones were built in the first place. The answer to these questions might answer the second question. Why would someone want to destroy those instructions? If you want to help me figure it out, keep listening. But bring your mystery machine and Scooby Snacks, because it's going to be a weird ride. In June of 1979, a stranger approached Joe Finley with a bizarre request. Joe worked for Elberton Granite Company in Elbert County, Georgia, which is about 100 miles east of Atlanta. Joe had been with Elberton Granite for a while, and being in the business of making headstones for graves, he was no stranger to the occasional off-the-wall project. But what this customer was asking for was a real head-scratcher. The stranger called himself Robert C. Christian, and he claimed to be representing a small group of loyal Americans who'd been planning a project for the last 20 years. He'd purchased five acres of land on the outskirts of outside Elbert County, and on it he wanted Joe to build a monument that was inspired by Stonehenge. If you're not familiar, Stonehenge is a ring of 13-foot-tall slabs in England that date back to prehistoric times. No one is completely sure why or how Stonehenge was built, as the structure weighed about 25 tons, and there was no such thing as cranes or heavy equipment back then. But the ring is aligned towards the sunrise on the summer solstice, which gives us a hint as to why it was built, but it also deepens the mystery. Some believe it's nothing more than a giant clock, while others think it's some sort of alien communication center. There are many theories as to the purpose of Stonehenge, but that's not important to this story. What is important is that Mr. Christian wanted something similar, but unlike Stonehenge, he wanted the purpose of his monument to be crystal clear. It was to be made from six solid granite slabs. Four of the slabs were to be 16 feet tall and would stand in the shape of an X with a fifth stone of the same height positioned in the middle of them. On top of the center stone would rest a sixth slab, which was a smaller square of nine feet and whose corners then rested on the edges of the four standing slabs connecting the whole thing together. This center capstone brought the entire structure to more than 19 feet in total height. The total weight of the whole thing would end up being a whopping 237,746 pounds. Christian wanted the stones to function as a compass, a calendar, and a clock and he wanted them to be sturdy enough to withstand a catastrophic event, such as an earthquake. I guess a bombing didn't really enter his mind back then, but that's beside the point. The final thing that Christian wanted was for a message to be etched into the stones, turning them into giant tablets. 
The same message would be written in a different language on each side of each of the stones, which meant that Joe would have to transcribe it into eight different languages. What Christian was asking Joe to do was odd to say the least, but it would also be ridiculously expensive. If you've ever priced granite countertops, you know what I mean. Joe Finley thought Christian was off his rocker. He really didn't want to take on the project, so he tried to discourage Christian by quoting him a price that was several times higher than it should have been, more than $100,000. That would be around $400,000 of today's dollars, so Joe was sure that Christian would balk at the price and take a hike. But to his surprise, Christian did not bat an eye. He simply asked for directions to the nearest bank. Now Joe was intrigued, and he wanted to know more about who he was actually working for and why. But Christian remained evasive, again repeating that he represented a group of loyal Americans who'd been planning the project for 20 years and who insisted on remaining anonymous. Once he'd secured the funds, Christian delivered a scale model of the Guidestones to Joe, along with 10 pages of specifications. To Joe, it appeared what Christian had claimed was at least partially true. Someone certainly had been planning this project for a while based on the intricacy and the preciseness of Christian's models and plans. But he still had many questions about exactly who was behind it, as well as the true identity of Mr. Christian. Those questions remained unanswered. Nevertheless, Joe set to work on the project, and the monument was completed in March of 1980. Congressman Doug Barnard officially unveiled the monument for a crowd of about 300 people. At the ceremony, he read a statement that had been prepared by the mysterious group responsible for constructing it. The message read, quote, In order to avoid debate, we, the sponsors of the Georgia Guidestones, have a simple message for human beings, now and for the future. We believe our precepts are sound and that they must stand on their own merits, end quote. After the unveiling, Christian transferred ownership of the land and the Guidestones to Elbert County. Yeah, He just gave the whole huge, expensive thing away. But for what purpose? A few years later, a man claiming to be Robert Christian wrote a book about the Guidestones, which answered the question. And to everyone's surprise, it wasn't rocket science. The book was called Common Sense Renewed, and in it, Christian wrote, quote, I am the originator of the Georgia Guidestones and the sole author of its inscriptions. I've had the assistance of a number of other American citizens in bringing the monument into being. We have no mysterious purposes or ulterior motives. We seek common sense pathways to a peaceful world without bias for particular creeds or philosophies, end quote. Huh, seems pretty clear-cut and sensible. As are the inscriptions. In eight different languages, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian, the tablets read, quote, Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. End quote. It's so simple, reasonable, and a peaceful message that makes so much sense. 
The intent of Christian and whatever secretive group he belonged to seemed to be crystal clear, just as he intended. I especially like the part about avoiding petty laws and useless officials. And who can really argue with not cancering up the earth? There's nothing nefarious in those words or in Christian's explanation, but nonetheless, people still questioned it. Perhaps this is because of a few other features on the guidestones. Near them, an explanatory tablet was displayed. This granite ledger vaguely identified the sponsors of the project, which were, you know, those loyal Americans with no names. And it referenced a time capsule that was to be buried under the tablet. However, the date in which the capsule was supposed to be buried there was blank. The tablet read, quote, let these be guidestones to an age of reason, end quote, and identified the languages that were used on it. It also outlined the stone's dimensions. That stuff was no big deal, but what really piqued people's curiosity was the part where the tablet described the astronomical features of the monument. It said that the four outer slabs were set to mark the lunar declination cycle. The capstone that lay at the top of the structure had a hole drilled into it, which aligned with the North Star. The capstone also had a slot which allowed sunlight to pass through each day at noon, shining to the center of it to indicate which day of the year it was. It corresponded with solstices and equinoxes and was essentially a sundial calendar. These features added to the mystery, and with that, the Georgia Guidestones became an enigmatic piece of American history that drew an estimated 20,000 visitors each year. There's a lot going on here, and it seems pretty clear-cut on the surface. The Guidestones were built at a time when America very much feared nuclear war. The monument contains a set of instructions on how to rebuild society after an apocalypse. The sundial calendar is there to help people keep track of time after all technology has presumably been destroyed. The intent of the Guidestones was to help the survivors of an Armageddon. But was that really all there was to the story? Many believe that it's not, and that's what eventually led to its demise. Let's start with the identity of Mr. R.C. Christian. Only two people know who he really was, and one of those people is Joe Finley. Yes, eventually Christian did tell Joe his real name, but Joe was sworn to secrecy, and to this day, he hasn't told a soul. That meant that internet sleuths had to try to figure it out on their own. Since the monument was unveiled in March of 1980, conjecture has flown about like wild geese, but nothing stuck. Then, in 2015, a documentary was released that claimed to have solved the mystery. It was called Dark Clouds Over Elberton, The True Story of the Georgia Guidestones. In it, a man named Wyatt Martin was interviewed. Wyatt is the second person who knows the true identity of R.C. Christian. And this is because Wyatt was the banker who made the financial arrangements for Christian so that he could pay Joe Finley. Because he provided the financing for the project, he had to know Christian's real identity. And while Wyatt did not share this information with the makers of the documentary, he did show them some letters from Mr. Christian, which showed a postmark and a return address. This was revealed that they'd been sent from a home in Fort Dodge, Iowa. This nugget of information began a process of connecting a whole bunch of dots, which eventually led to a man named Herbert Henzey Kirsten. Kirsten owned the house at the return address on the letters to Wyatt. And the name Kirsten is a German variant of the name Christian. Unfortunately, Kirsten passed away 10 years earlier, so he could not be interviewed to confirm or deny anything. But his obituary in a Fort Dodge newspaper revealed some interesting details about the man. It said that after graduating from medical school, he enlisted in the Army and served in World War II, running a 1,000-bed hospital in Tokyo. 
Following that, he completed a surgical residency and then went into practice with his father and two brothers who were also doctors. The article went on to say that he was, quote, a naturalist who is very involved in environmental and world population issues, end quote. And that, quote, Dr. Kirsten held a broad world vision of humanity and had a myriad of personal and academic interests, end quote. Those interests included painting, farming, woodworking, and, most interestingly, physics. Also, he was a recreational pilot. While it's impossible to know for sure, the wording of Kirsten's obituary sure sounds like he could have been Christian, right down to the similarity of their names. The mention of environmental and population issues and his world vision of humanity eerily echoes the Guidestones' directions on how to maintain harmony between the earth and mankind. Kirsten was a farmer and a pilot, which meant that he probably had at least a working knowledge of the sun and moon phases and the significance of a calendar. One would definitely need one to know when it was time to plant harvest, you know, in the case that the food sources were wiped out in an apocalypse and the crops needed to be regrown. And finally, the fact that he came from a family of physicians and was part of a family medical group that they all owned together probably meant that he was a man of solid financial means. If the group of loyal Americans who financed the Guidestones were of similar backgrounds, it might not have been much of a strain for them to pull money together to pay for the monument. If this is what happened, then it seems like Kirsten and his friends financed the Guidestones as a passion project based on a love of nature and humanity. Kirsten seems like a good guess for the true identity of R.C. Christian, but it's still just a guess. Like I said, no one will ever know for sure. And thus, we will never know for sure what the true purpose of the Guidestones was, even though it's been explicitly stated on multiple occasions. Wait, I just said that the intent of the Guidestones has been explicitly stated multiple times. Why, then, is it still even a question? Well, I think what it boils down to is that people fear what they don't understand, so they draw conclusions based on that. The key issue that some took with the directions on the Guidestone was the part about keeping the world's population under 500 million people. In 1979, when those words were etched into the Guidestones, the world's population was already at 4.36 billion, and today it swelled to 7.75 billion. While Christian made it clear that the words were meant to be a guide to rebuilding the world and presumably its population after it had all been destroyed in a global disaster, some interpreted it instead to be a promotion of population control. Also problematic for these people is the line about guiding reproduction wisely and improving fitness and diversity. Now, I'd think that good health and genetic diversity would be a good thing, but others interpreted this as a form of eugenics. The third thing that whipped people into a frenzy is the part about uniting humanity with a new living language. This was interpreted as meaning that everyone would be forced to speak one language. This fell in line with a current conspiracy theory that a new world order is being planned by some shadowy, unknown entity. Eventually, these people drew the conclusion that the Guidestones were somehow satanic in nature and were aimed at wiping out the current population and bringing everyone in the world under one leader. Despite the fact that the Guidestones were built decades ago, the satanic panic aimed at them is fairly recent. In 2008, the stones were vandalized for the first time in history. Someone spray-painted them with a graffiti that read, quote, Death to the New World Order, end quote, and some other scribbles and nonsense. It happened again in 2014, and this time the message painted on it was, quote, I am Isis, goddess of love, end quote. 
Like the 2008 incident, there was some other stuff, but nothing of note. After these acts of vandalism, security cameras were installed around the Guidestones to catch these people in the act. In 2022, 43 years after the Guidestones were erected, the satanic panic was brought back to life due to the unfounded internet fear of a new world order looming. But remember, the Guidestones were built more than four decades ago, and the man who commissioned them was long dead. I'm not sure how or why a group of people in 1979 would attempt to direct something like this to happen in 2022 or even care because they're probably all dead. But nevertheless, this idea has been perpetuated by a slew of podcast hosts and conspiracy theorists. And during the 2022 Georgia gubernatorial primary, Republican candidate Candace Taylor called the Guidestone satanic in a campaign ad. Her campaign platform called for the monument to be removed. Well, she got her way, because in the wee hours of the morning of July 6th of 2022, someone bombed the Guidestones, and they were so heavily damaged by the blast that they had to be completely dismantled for safety reasons. Locals reported feeling the blast at a little after 4 a.m., and CCTV footage corroborated this, showing a forceful explosion blowing one of the four slabs of the Guidestones to pieces at that exact time. The tablet that was destroyed contained the Swahili and Hindi version of the guiding principles. Video caught a silver sedan fleeing the scene. The video was released to the public, but the criminals responsible still haven't been apprehended. Interestingly, in an interview with Fox 5 Atlanta, former Georgia Republican gubernatorial candidate Candace Taylor attributed the destruction to, quote, God striking down the satanic guidestones, end quote. She took no responsibility for inciting the crime and said that she does not support vandalism. She went on to say, quote, I believe vandalism is illegal, and sometimes people like to call vandalism instead of actually giving God credit because they don't know how to explain what happens when God moves, end quote. I mean, if a sinkhole opened up and swallowed the guidestones, or if it had been an earthquake that knocked them over, I definitely agree that was an act of God. But I'm pretty sure that God doesn't drive a silver sedan. I watched the video and that car has a moonroof. God doesn't need a moonroof. Sorry, Candace and Candace supporters, but this actually was an act of vandalism, if not terrorism. So don't blame God for that mess. Since someone decided to destroy one of Georgia's most popular tourist attractions, officials decided to go ahead and look for that time capsule that was supposed to be buried under the monument. They dug six feet down but found nothing. One jokester on Twitter claimed that they actually unearthed a copy of Playboy, an 8-track of Saturday Night Fever, and a bag of Quaaludes. As exciting a find as this would have been, there was, in fact, no evidence that anything had ever been buried under those granite slabs. I guess R.C. Christian forgot to complete that little detail. Or maybe he just kept all those Quaaludes for himself. According to an article posted just a few days ago on OnlineAthens.com, there are talks of rebuilding the Georgia Guidestones. It was a unique piece of history that the majority of people found interesting and valuable. The creators of the Guidestones, R.C. Christian and his small group of concerned Americans, wrote the inscriptions as a guide to humanity to conserve nature after a nuclear war, which the creators thought was an imminent threat. Again, you have to take into consideration the time at which they were constructed. It was 1979, and the threat of nuclear war was in the forefront of most Americans' minds. It was a real and compelling fear. In my opinion, I don't think at all that the message had any nefarious meaning. And while I think that it's important that each person have the freedom to interpret those words as they see them, in no case is violence or terrorism an acceptable reaction. 
This is a good example of how conspiracy theories can have real-world impact. According to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's Facebook page, anyone with information about the crime is encouraged to contact the Elbert County Sheriff's Office at 706-283-2421 or the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's Athens Office at 706-552-2309. Anonymous tips can be submitted by calling 1-800-597-TIPS or 1-800-597-8477. You can also submit a tip online at the gbi.georgia.gov website, or you can download the See Something, Send Something mobile app and submit a tip there. I'll put these links in the show notes as well, and I encourage you guys to reach out to them if you have any information that would help the GBI bring the person responsible for the bombing to justice. Thanks for helping out if you can. We do not want bombers running around free out there. It's a dangerous thing. We don't want them hurting anyone or destroying our fun and freaky landmarks. What if there really was an apocalypse and some idiot just blew up the only clock and calendar that would have survived? How would we ever be on time for our post-apocalyptic Tinder dates? Actually, I hope if there is an apocalypse, Tinder does not survive. Have you looked at it lately? Don't. Just don't. Guys, Thanks for spending your time with me today. We'll be back next week with something more spooky and supernatural, and it'll be a special one. If you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends and leave me a five-star review. I hope that you'll come back next week and join me for a little more history and a little more haunt. I'll see you then.